we need to be curious about one another. We need to be curious about how we can develop ourselves. Um, because if we can do that, we're going to make a hell of a lot better of a society. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Lab Podcast. It's been a busy summer over here in the lab. I've, I got married this summer and Everett has been in LA a bunch and we just had a bunch of other things going on. So that's the reason for the hiatus in between episodes. On this week's episode, we're joined by my cousin and, and good friend Trip Wilson, who was, in, who was in town for my wedding. And it was great to get to see him. Uh, we had some great conversation. He works for the Judgment Index. And the Judgment Index is a, a way that individual stack rank specific items. And based off of that, it gives you a value set of what do you value in your life right now? And it's a great tool to use for, for self-awareness, not only as, as an individual, but also as, as a company and how people can fit together and, and relationships of that nature. We get really into the weeds on Everett and I's assessments that, that we both took, which, is, which was kind of fun just to see how, how similar we are in some, some aspects. Um, and then also Trips gives his insight onto how it can help companies as well. Hope you guys enjoy. What was your dream again? Why? That a roller coaster went off the rails? All right. Just want to make sure that was on the, on the record. Oh, did you hit record? I did. <laughs> but, He's just going to edit is there, it. Is there enough context? Does it know Doesn't that matter. I'm saying <laughs> that I'm talking this about This podcast is about to go off the rails. A little bit? I really need to be able to swing around and, and really look at you yeah, and look fine. at Trip. I feel you. He's just going to start spinning. His voice is going to be like a... I'm afraid that like the ice cubes going. in your glasses are going to... It adds to the to the ambiance. Gotcha. We, Sometimes we get we, really drunk and we just <laughs> cheers like right by the microphone. It's like horrible sounds from people. It's like clink, clink, clink. But then um, I listen to like some some like super popular podcast where there's like hundreds of millions of listeners and like they do the same thing, mm-hmm. but just their sound setup's just a little bit better, so it's not like right in your ear. Mm-hmm. People do hate that though. Yeah. So I we we got some funny feedback secondhand one time. This friend of mine said she was at a party and of some kind of people that I used to be friends with who've never said anything to me about the podcast. Like I haven't seen them in years, but apparently at this like little get together, the entire group was talking about our podcast. None of those people have ever said anything to me about it. Not like, hey, we listened and it sucked, or we listened and we liked it, or like whatever. So I think it's kind of funny, but it was our first episode when we're like clinking and we're like hitting <laughs> and I'm in the, this is at my old place. I'm in the kitchen making Will a cocktail and you hear me in the ice tub. Like, <laughs> I'm like pouring. And um, what's that thing with sound where like people, it can either drive you crazy or oh, you can like uh, love sound. Jenna knows exactly what it is, but I can't, can't remember. There's a, it's a big thing on like Snapchat right now, actually. Yeah. There's like a whole YouTube thing where yeah. you can like play a video. That's just like weird sounds like, you know, like paper, like all sorts of stuff. And like some people things get, are like, it's like really a fetish. soothing, what? really soothing Sound. to you. And some things are like, you really, really, really hate them. We were talking the other day, like ASMR. Yeah. Yeah, I was on a chalkboard. We were yeah. talking the other day and apologies if this is either of you, but just like who and why are people into feet? Like feet fetish or foot yeah. fetish. It's yeah. a weird thing. I don't mind feet at all. No, like, but like to be obsessed with them to where it like sexually 
drives you. Give me that no. big toe. <laughs> Maybe sorry. it's because it's under wraps all the time. Like it's in the sock. And so it's like, oh, I don't get to He's like off. defending him. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying Look to see other people's. Yeah. So promiscuous. <laughs> My I barely there. I did for the first time ever the other day. Not bad. Yeah. Oh. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's not bad. Have Jenna's getting one? some tonight. I have yeah. Tripp and I had one we, when we yeah. were like 16. Like yeah. 15, 16 years old. Let's just go younger. 12, yeah. 10. It's a little <laughs> more innocent that way. We both got like army military green because we thought it was the most manly at the time. Wait, on your toenails? Oh, yeah. On our toenails. You don't yeah. have to get any No, you color. don't. But we didn't know that. <laughs> we thought you had to. We thought, we you, thought you had to. Like, <laughs> you don't get a pedicure without getting like a nail polish on there. We didn't realize you could just get clear nothing. Yeah. You don't have to get anything. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather goes all the time. He loves it. We rocked it. Yeah. Because I'll like massage his calves and yeah. put him in a warm towel. And That sounds nice. They gave us three glasses of rosé. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to get rid of that, either. I had to call. Yeah. I had to call an Uber. Well, yeah, but a lot of places here do it too. Do they? Um, General. It was either rosé or champagne. Out. They'll give you champagne. So please. I chose rosé every time. Rosé all day. All day. Are we recording? We've been recording since the roller coaster went off the rails. <laughs> So what are we doing? Should we do a little intro right now? Yeah. I guess not really. Should we do an intro afterwards like we usually do? <clears throat> yeah, we should do an intro afterwards, but I think it'd still be good for Trip to yeah. say kind of like who he is and what he does. Um, just so that people know a little bit of background about yourself. What do I do? I think some extra backstory is the three of us just went on Will's uh, <laughs> bachelor party in Montreal where I met Trip for the first time, uh, which was quite nice. And um, and there we talked about the judgment index and thought it'd be a good idea to have a podcast about it. Was that a 3 a.m. conversation or a 4 a.m. conversation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> to, both. <laughs> to both. Yes. Yeah. But no, so. I just remember Will asking, what's your favorite thing about your job? And I just said, my favorite thing about the job is the assessment and the, the, the perspective that it gives a person or the self-awareness that it's able to give a person. Um, because when you're able to see things on a piece of paper in black and white of areas where you're good, you can start becoming confident in those areas. Yeah. And then areas that you aren't as good at, you can see that and you can, you know, develop those. I tell people all the time, the number one reason people change is because of pain. So if like I have a heart attack or um, whatever, I'm going to change my, my dietary. I'm going to change. I'm going to start working out. So I don't have to go through that pain ever again. But the second reason people change is just be by awareness. So if I'm aware of a certain score on a piece of paper, um, then I can just develop that by knowing, Hey, I need to work on this certain area. So for example, for me, when I first took the assessment, I was very, um, I was not assertive um, at all. I would let people walk all over me just to keep the waters calm because uh, I didn't like rough waters. I didn't like causing any conflict. conflict. And so how old were you? I was 16 first okay. time I took the assessment. And how old are you now? 27. Cool. So um, do you have to look? I always look because I, I, I get it wrong every time. Okay. I've gone 26, 25. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So after 25, after you can rent a car, it just there's no point in keeping up with it anymore. But, number. Yep, that's right. Do you want to take a step back though and let people know <clears throat> what the judgment index is? Yeah. Um a just a little bit like gen like you can just give like the general background of like what it is. And it's a pretty long background if you want me to go into the history 
of how the tool came to be and who created it. I think that'd be cool. Because yeah. it's a really fascinating story, actually. Yeah. Uh, totally. Back in the early 1900s, there was a guy named Robert Hartman. And he uh, was like, by the time he was 16, he was uh, speaking six languages, was proficient in writing seven. Uh, by the time he was 20, he was already an assistant court judge. Very smart guy. He was actually on the top 50 up and coming Germans list alongside Adolf Hitler. And so Robert Hartman, his whole life, he saw what Hitler was doing. He saw he was organizing evil. And so his whole life mission became, well, if Hitler can organize evil, how does somebody organize and measure goodness? And so this became his whole life mission. Um, he spoke out against Hitler and uh, it got to the point where uh, Hitler sent the SS army to his house and he was able to escape out his bathroom window um, and escaped out of Germany, eventually came to America and was Walt Disney's fourth man in command. Um, yeah. And so because he was able to speak so many languages, he was able to open up Disney World to all the, the like the Netherlands or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mexico and, and all these different countries that they weren't in previously. And so according to R Roy, Walt's brother, uh, apparently when Robert Hartman went into his office and said, hey, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I have a bigger life mission, which was trying to figure out how to measure goodness. Um, apparently, Walt lost his cool and like lost his gasket and blew up and was like, I'll give you more stake in the company. Like, what do you want? Like Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and Robert Hartman said, no, you know, I, I have something else in mind that I want to do with with my life. And so he started working on this this tool and ended up going and teaching in academics. Uh, and so while he was teaching, he was also working on this tool. And um, so kind of where this tool comes out of, a, a lot of people think that this tool comes out of psychology. This tool actually comes out of the world of philosophy. Um, this is a, a, a completely different type of science that not a lot of people have heard of called axiology. Axia stands for value. And so what we're really looking at is what are your values? Because we believe that your values drive and guide your actions, not personality, personality. You can be introverted. You can be extroverted. Um, and while it's, you know, good to scratch the surface with a personality assessment, it's not going to take you deep enough to know enough about yourself to what's going to drive your actions. And so that's why this tool is so different than anything else that you're going to see. Because 94% of the market is a personality assessment type. Uh, you know, you have the DISC, you have the Myers-Briggs, and they're all good. I'm not going to speak badly about any of them because they all give some type of perspective. But what we tell people all the time, it's there's there's a difference between um, just scratching the surface and then going really deep down and, and figuring out really who you are and what drives you. Mm -hmm. For example, like your values drive you. Your values were instilled in you by your parents by your teachers, coaches that you've had, they've all shaped the way that you look at the world from your perspective. And we all see the world from a different perspective. And so really what we're trying to look at is what are those values that drive you? And the way that we're able to determine that when you take the assessment is it's kind of like a puzzle that you have to put together. Um, for those who don't know the assessment, how it, how you go and take the assessment, there's um, two lists of 18 items that we ask you to rank order from best to worst 
in your opinion. And so really what we're asking you to do is something that most people have already done uh, hundreds of times by the time it's 12 noon. We're asking you to prioritize what do you value? Do you value one thing more over another? And so by looking at the way that you rank order these two lists of 18 items, we're really able to to get down into the into the nitty gritty and figure out those things that do uh, drive your actions. So that's a little bit about kind of where it came from, how it's used. And so really how it's used now in, in today's world and businesses is organizations will will have us come in, assess their current uh, culture, kind of see what's going on with their culture there. And then we can then start looking at, you know, who are we going to start hiring who will fit your culture? Um, and so we help companies reduce turnover. Uh, we recently just worked with a company down in, in Texas, a huge construction company, and we were able to reduce their turnover from 62% and within six months, we reduced it all the way down to 25 percent. So, I mean, I mean, think about the savings yeah. just in that those, those training, the training, like 10,000 yeah. cost, cost about like what, $10,000 to hire a new person. Yeah. So uh, and, and a lot of times in, in certain industries like construction, healthcare, all they say is we just need a warm body that will show up when they say they're going to show up because that's, you know, way more difficult than than it should be. Um, and, and so what we're able to do is is take a look behind the curtain for individuals. Are they going to be dependable? Are they going to be trainable? Are they going to make good decisions? Are they going to be safe on the job? So these are all the things that we're measuring and looking at. And so uh, it drastically reduces turnover because we are looking at the values that drives a person instead of the personality that a person has. You go so many different places right now. I've got a couple of questions. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, You mentioned some sports teams using it. How do they use it? self-awareness um a lot of these sports things who they are is it, yeah. uh i'd the rather be, yeah i'd rather keep totally it cool yeah um but really how they're using it especially like just to be to add some validity to it mm-hmm. nfl nfl and, um and a hockey team right hockey team and sec uh a, lot, a couple of sec team. big football teams so the highest level basketball of teams teams are using this we've had uh masters champion take it we've had two us open winners take it we've had uh several major league baseball players take it and the reason that they're taking it is if they're taking it individually they're just trying to learn a little bit more about themselves self-awareness kind of like we've covered but how sports like the whole team is using it and coaches are using it especially in college and i think y'all will understand this is when you have players that are so good and so gifted, especially coming out of high school, a lot of these players feel like uh, football is the only thing for me. They don't care about the academics because they know that their career is hopefully going to be in football. And so, but we know that they still have to complete their academic uh, curriculum to be able to play football. And But there's so much babysitting that goes along with having to look after these football players. And so coaches and assistant coaches are using it to help better um, keep their players within the bounds. If they know, hey, you know, this guy is a little bit more uh, of a loose cannon, they can have a, a tighter leash on him yeah. or they can look after him a little bit more than they would for another player that they can see from his results 
this player or this guy's got a, a, a good head on his shoulders. You can just add more value to those individuals who need more help. And yeah. And, and then at the same time, you can learn how to talk to that person better. You can learn how to better relate to that person better. Mm-hmm. And we, if, if we do, and when we go into y'all's assessments individually, I can kind of show you how a coach would use this to better uh, help a player develop. Yeah. I can only imagine, like I can think about myself being in college, like now looking back, there's some regrets about like the actual value you had being in school. I can only imagine for some big time athletes, how applying some awareness to their situation helps them maximize. Like if you're some star at the university of Tennessee, like you probably don't give a shit about your biology class or whatever is going on in your entire ecosystem there. So this could probably help a kid go like, wow, I've struck gold with a scholarship, with being here, all the opportunities. So it probably helps him a lot on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. Second question. How did you, your dad's in the business too, right? He is. CEO or? Yeah, CEO. How'd you guys get into the business or how did he? So the he, my father came from the insurance world, was a very big player in the insurance world. And he ended up running into the the guy that studied under Robert Hartman, the creator of the tool. And, uh, you know, he kind of wanted to know, hey, I see you here at, this, this large company all the time, what are you doing? And, and Steve Byram is the gentleman's name. And he said, you know, I'm help, I'm helping the C-suite, you know, executive leaders. Um, and, and so my father was like, well, I want to kind of see what you're doing and taste the pudding for myself. So he did. And my dad thought he was absolutely off the rocker. And, um, but then after Steve went over his assessment with him, he was like a light shined on him and he was like, can you, believe or can you imagine the power that this tool has Mm -hmm. and steve was a one-man band at the time really only working with businesses and so nobody was hearing about this and so what my dad wanted to do was come into the business and help scale it Mm -hmm. and so what he did uh he's been doing this for about 12 years now and so what he did was he completely took um the assessment and put everything into uh, it, it computerized everything. So right when you took the assessment online, within f- two minutes, it would be immediately in your email inbox. Um, and so there was a lot, there was probably eight to 10 years of just putting all of that in, into a computer system uh, because there are 12.8 quadrillion different results that you can have. Holy so shit. I'm, I'm 12.8 quadrillion. It's 14 zeros. Jesus. So... <laughs> Essentially, I am notified or pinged every time there is a duplicate assessment, even if one's in Australia and one's in Seattle, Washington. I'm pinged that, hey, there's a duplicate assessment within the system because it's so rare that we'll even get a duplicate or even close. I even get notifications if they are close duplicates. What do you do? And what's. What does that mean? Well, what we look at, we bore down into the details. We say like, hey, if if this person's in Australia and this person is in Seattle, they probably did not collaborate on the assessment. But we will know if the, a business is using it and we've had two, three, however many assessments coming out of the same location that are the exact same. We'll say, hey, we can detect that they have been collaborating and uh, are cheating the system. And so... Um, so that's how we get away, get away with um, or, or really help businesses out by, hey, you have some people that are cheating the system. Interesting. Do you ever want to like, let's say you have people connected from across the world. Do you ever like want to play like matchmaker and be like, hey, <laughs> like I, that just seems so interesting. Like it, I feel I'm like- surprised you even have duplicates. Like that's so yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. 
And like, yeah, why would you even want to cheat the system? It seems like it could be more of a thing where like job security surprise. It depends exactly like someone who's in Australia. Yeah, it really depends on. I mean, you have to think about it from different people's perspective. If you're just trying to get a job as a uh, a janitor at a local hospital and you want to definitely make sure you're putting your best foot forward, some people will go out of their way and try and find the answers or or ask, hey, you took the assessment and I know you screenshot it or you somehow copied the answers down. Can you give those to me? And so um, so we can kind of detect people that are cheating the system. Uh, and we're also currently putting in place different phrase sets so that if we have a hundred people in the room, not one of them will see the same rank ordering items, but all of the results will be the exact same. So two different phrases can mean the exact same thing, but we've been testing these, these statements out for 10 years now um, to try and get here. So we are really making sure that we're doing our due diligence to make sure that two statements mean the exact same thing. We don't want them to be slightly skewed. We're very careful. I want to go back to what you were talking about, how um, this, you can understand what your values are um, and you can, and you were talking about how your parents, coaches, teachers, all like that, how much of this has shaped, and this is just going to a cliche way, is like nature versus nurture. Like how much of that has this, has this changed your idea on that at all about anything? It just seems so, it seems like it gives you so much insight into how you've been nurtured. It, it does. Uh- But, you know, there's a lot of things that you can look at and say, I do this because my father, my mother, my coach, my grandparent taught me to do it this way. You're my cousin. For example, I'll give you a couple things that I know firsthand. Do you eat with your elbows on the table when you're eating with your parents? I don't think so. Because guess what? With what our grandfather taught our parents. If you put your elbow on the table, guess what? You're getting a bloody elbow. Second example. Second example. Grandpa. Huge, like, would pick up a piece of trash if he was walking down the sidewalk. Didn't matter what, what it was. And so guess what happened? He drilled that into my father. My father has drilled that into me. Guess who I'll drill that into? Drill it into my children, so on and so forth. And so I tell people all the time, you do not have to spend a million plus dollars to have your name on a building at at your alma mater. Your legacy lives on through the people that you touch, the people that you affect in this life, because I'm going to continue stabbing people in the elbow when they put their elbows on the table. <laughs> it's just the values that we grew up with. And so that's a very, pass that on to your kids too. that's a very small thing, but you can think of things like that for everybody yeah. that's touched or affected your life. Totally. So you look at the world differently because you grew up on the West coast. I look at the world a little bit differently because I grew up on the East coast. Mm-hmm. There's so many different factors and variables that go into the way that you view the world through your eyes. Yeah. Have a nice little ocean current coming through or lake current. Um, it's tranquil for your listeners. Why? Um, why is it rude to put your elbows on the table? I was taught the same thing, but why? I don't know. It's a good question. I really don't know. When I went over and studied in France, they told you you need to have your hands visible above the table because if your hands are below the table, it's like you have a weapon, it, or it's like your. Um, it's just inappropriate. Because you might be fondling, touching 
Mm. Some, you, they want to be able to see your hands. Je m'appelle. <laughs> and so um, that was really fascinating so for you me. You sit at the table like this. You sit at time? your table. Weird. Yeah, you sit at the table with a uh, fork and knife, and you just do do this. You don't ever have your hands for a meal, like a yes. formal meal, like maybe not a coffee shop. I don't know that, but like the family that I would eat with, they told me you have to have your hands above the table. Really? And I told them if I like the way that I was raised, you don't put your hands on the table. It's just it's different yeah. perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Different values. Yeah, yeah. The great houses and castles of England during the Middle Ages did not have dining tables in the great halls, so tables were made from trestles and covered with a cloth. The diners sat along one side only. If they put their elbows on the table and leaned too heavily, the table would collapse. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's always so. So that's totally outdated. It just that's a little outdated. It just yeah. doesn't apply to what we're doing. It's just like. At one point, it was nice, mm-hmm. so now it's always nice, yeah. even though the reason doesn't make sense is extinct. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the world and cultural stuff. I will say though, I've been places like, like with a table that has like a leaf that folds out. If you put too much pressure on yeah. it, it'll affect the table. Yeah. Like I've been places where like, can you not? You know, you're like talking, and you're just like, okay, can you? So, you know, I get it. Oh, okay. Before we get into the the gunnels of the ship, yeah. Interesting. Or uh, this is interesting to me. Do you know, or maybe you can get back to us. Maybe your dad would know why or how Robert Hartman knew s- seven languages. Or sorry, six and could write seven. Really don't. Um, but That's he, a lot of languages. He was just a brilliant guy, um, and I guess he just had the ear. Like um, people I've met who can speak multiple languages, they just can pick it up very easily. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but maybe he just was one of these guys that had a gift to do that. Um, but again, we're talking a guy that was nominated for a Nobel prize for the, the work of the judgment index. Um, so just a brilliant guy. He, he, he worked with, uh, Abraham Maslow. I mean, some really big names. This guy was the real deal. But the reason that you haven't heard of him is because if you look him up and you go and read some of the, the literature he's put out, it's pretty difficult to understand. He was German. And, and so he wrote in seven languages. Yeah, exactly. Read a book in seven <laughs> and so it would just put you to sleep yeah. trying to read all this stuff. But it's super, super um, impactful when you kind of get into it. And if you can keep your eyes open and stay awake. Well, that's what's kind of crazy is that he was able to condense a lot of that into Two eighteen question ranking he, systems. Well, it came out of four hundred thousand statements. He had to narrow it down to thirty six. Wow, dang, it's crazy. Are you able to tell who would be? I'm getting obviously married on Saturday. Um, I mean, it's not obvious to all of our listeners. Well, so congratulations to my yeah. co-host for it. his upcoming wedding. I wasn't asking for that, but thank you guys. Uh, we but, probably wouldn't have done it if you asked. That would have been lame. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Um, <laughs> can you tell if people will be good, compatible? Yes, you can. We've actually, so Steve Byram's daughter, Meredith, she's actually thought about creating a compatibility assessment or report where that would be almost better or um, than like a matchmaker. Uh, we've actually had two people that met and got married through matchmaking.com that came through our training. 
And after they kind of learned about the judgment index, uh, what it measured, they they told us, they said, this judgment index would be way more powerful than the the reports that we had to do going through the matchmaking.com process. Mm -hmm. Just because uh, apparently uh, the matchmaking.com process, it's it's it takes hours to fill out all these forms, what you're interested in, things you like to do, um, places you like to go, stuff like that. It takes a long time. Yeah. And and Why while it's important time to meet a life partner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and like, while that often's important, um, it, it really doesn't get to the, the values because I can speak from experience. It's the values that you share with your significant other that, you know, that's the foundation of your relationship. Like if you don't see eye to eye on like really important things, oh, yeah, exactly. the values of things, then you're setting yourself up for failure. You're going to have a really rocky uh, foundation of a relationship. And so, you know, I, my, my fiance, uh, Beth, she has taken the assessment. And so it's been super helpful for us because when I get frustrated with her, she does something that frustrates me. I go, okay, I know why she's doing this. And it's not, because she's trying to spite me or, or, or whatever. It's because that she sees the world from her perspective and I see the world from my perspective. And it's, it's, uh, it's, like it's, not, always it's, it's not always going to be the exact same, but it helps take the fangs out of that, that tough conversation that we have to have because I, I approach it or I frame it in the way of, Hey, I know why you're doing this or, you know, I know the way I am and, and we just need to be able to try and meet in the middle a little bit. Yeah. Or it's not even so much that you know why, mm -hmm. but that it's okay that you might be doing something different because mm -hmm. you don't have the same brain as me. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, it and, builds empathy. And the second part that we've actually had is it's been very powerful for parents and children learning. Um, like even for my father and when I first took the assessment, he saw it. He was, wow, you know, you know, I need to parent trip a lot differently than I parented Brittany, you know, my older sister, yeah, just because we're two completely different yeah, people, totally. but he was parenting us the exact same way. Another really good example. We actually had a, um, a clinical psychologist come through our, our training and she had a younger son. I would say he's 16, 18, somewhere in that age range. And he was a really quiet kid. Um, but you know, the quiet kids and parents eyes are the very well-behaved kids. And so, what she did was after, you know, she had her son take the assessment and it came back with um, with some pretty scary stuff, like in the sense of like he was going down a path that wasn't going to be very pretty in, in several months. And so she was actually able to get him the help that he needed. But she never would have known any of that because he was such a quiet kid. Never would have known any of that. Yourself, yeah. His thoughts are to yourself. Yeah. And and so he was really struggling with a lot of depression, a lot of stuff going on with him that she just outwardly never yeah. saw him ex exhibit any of those things. So um, she was able to get him the help and, and they it, that actually brought them closer together. So uh, it's, it can be very powerful for parent and children. It can be powerful for a husband and wife or a, a partner. Um, to And so there's a lot of good that can come out of out of the tool just in the self-awareness part again do you guys feel like like as a company um that maybe like right now is a really interesting time for this tool with like the rise in the dialogue about mental health i really in general yeah. there's just so much more conversation about becoming aware of yourself going to therapy, removing stigma away from things that are really healthy to be doing. Does it seem like 
like it could almost like take off in a sense or? I really do. Uh, so what we've been doing is we've been working a lot with, with businesses. What I'm interested in doing is almost um, shifting away from businesses and, and moving into the, the consumer, like business to consumer uh, market and really working exactly kind of in the, in that space of, of helping people that want to learn a little bit more about themselves so they can get their arms. I, we live in a tough life. Like life's not easy and, and trying to figure yourself out along the way, it's not always easy as well. So if you can have a tool that can at least help, I'm not saying it's the, the, the end all be all, it's the greatest assessment out there, but it can actually give you a lot of, a little bit of perspective, or it can give you, point you in the right direction. And so that's really what I'm fascinated with because the tool has helped me so much. I've taken it six times over since I was 16. And um, so we, we recommend for people to take it every 12 to 18 months because judgment changes, you know, your, your judgment was much different than it was in high school, uh, you know, as it is now. And so, so. yeah. And so you'd hope so. And so (laughs) it's, but it's not a tattoo that you're going down and Hey, Hey, I'm, you know, like a, like a not trying to knock them, but like I've taken the Myers-Briggs or the discs and I've taken them multiple times. I'm the same thing every time, Mm -hmm. but my life, the way that I view the world changes. It's like when I went bungee jumping in Whistler, while it might be a little bit weird or whatever, my life or the way I looked at the world changed a little bit after I went bungee jumping because it was super uh, exciting, super thrilling. When I came back from studying in France, studying abroad, the way I viewed the world was just it's just different. And so all of the experiences, whether big or small, are changing the way that you view the world over time. So that's why we we uh, recommend to reassess Let's say, you know, and, and I will, will can speak to that from experience because he's taken it a couple of times. So, um, you know, where I'm passionate about is in helping people learn more about themselves. And that's kind of so I've been with Judgment Index for four years now. Um, and, and I really want to start shifting and moving into the um, the business to consumer world instead mm-hmm. of just the business to business, because we we've helped huge corporations reduce turnover. I want to help people get better, learn more about themselves, become more self-aware, because I know if we do that, the world's going to be a lot better off better if place. people can can know about themselves. So do companies pay? This is just kind of interesting. I know we should probably get into this stuff, but it's interesting from a business aspect. Does a company pay like per person to do the assessment to have like to do it is probably, you know, there's multiple ways that that, that corporations do it. Uh, there's three three main ways. One is per head, so like per click. Um, if you know by assessment, if you take five assessments and you're going to get billed five times, you can buy quantity like a quantity of or bulk pricing. You know, you buy ten hundred, you get a little bit cheaper uh, rates. And then the the way that we try and do most of ours because it's so beneficial for organizations is we we want we try to get them on what we call an unlimited licensing so they can run they they pay a certain fee every month and they can run as many people through the assessment as they want but they also get access to all of the reports that we have we have over a hundred different types of reports that people can look at from from wellness to how engage like engagement how engaged are you in your work um you, you know we have innovation and creativity reports. We have a golfing report, which is really cool. So we have a lot of different types of reports. Um, That's right. So we have a lot of different types of reports, uh, depending on the industry that we're going into. Um, And we also do uh, customizations. So we will like a, a business will come to us and say, 
hey, you know, uh, these are my top 10 performers. These are my top 10 people that I wish worked for our competitors. And then we look <laughs> at the values that drives those top 10 people. That's a good question. <laughs> and then we look at the values that drive or don't drive those other 10 people. And so, and then we'll create what we call a best performer template. And we will um, start running people through that report so that they are getting people that fit their culture, fit their, that job or that role. So we can get really down into the science and math of all of it and, and really help customers with. uh, I want to ask two questions. First question is, do you work with, do you do consult? Obviously you do some, some consulting to these individuals and to these companies. Do you do, if you guys are scaling, have you guys looked at connecting individuals to like therapists and professionals that can help them on a more one-on-one basis moving forward? Is that something that you guys do or have done or not yet? I mean, because I feel like a lot of times people have the information and then like, great. It's like now what do I do with it? Yeah. And, and we actually have uh, had that. And we, cause we know that from just other types of assessments, we know that that's a problem. And so we wanted, uh, I mean, so many t- types of assessments you go, okay, so what, like, or now what? And so what we did was we actually created a, what we call the LMS learning management system. And so it it's, they are seven courses that are predominantly the weaker indicators on the assessment that a person can go through these hour, hour and a half modules that will help them give a different perspective or help them become more aware of why or how to improve that weakness that they they're trying to, to seek out and get better in. So, because we didn't want people to be like, okay, so what, like, this is who, like, this is who I am now. Like, what about it? Like, so we wanted to help try and uh, give them something to work on if they if they chose to. Yeah. Um, did you forget your second question? No, my no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Don't come back to me. I'll come back. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, so you no, so you said some. Oh, I do want to dive into that, but I don't want to forget this one. Do you, are you able to identify top performers in specific fields? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if, but like I said, how we, much does that correlate? But like I said, we have to have 10 people or we have to have a certain number of people that are there. They say is their best performers. And then we have to have a certain number or certain or equal number of people that again, they wish worked for their competitors or are not as strong. Yeah. And so we have to have the, the best and, and the worst to be able to figure out why the best performers are their best. What I've always thought in my entire life is like, you know, that person's pretty good at that sport or they're kind of good at that profession or whatever. But what if they are actually the best in the world at something they've never done before? It's like, what if I LeBron James it. was a goalkeeper? He'd yeah. probably be the best goalkeeper of all time. Yeah. I've always thought that. It's like those types of things, whether like sports or business or Greatest tight end. anything like that. Like, <laughs> that too. I'd be super, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, super fascinated by that kind of stuff. And are you able to, can the judgment index help you find, hey, I'm in this job, but if I were to change roles or go into some other type of business or thing, I could be world class. So it the tool won't necessarily tell you what your 
best, like what job you should go seek, whether that's engineering, whether that's, uh, you know, working in HR or or whatever, it won't tell you that because we believe that no matter what industry you're in, you, if you have the right values, if you have the right judgment, you can thrive in whatever environment Mm -hmm. you're in. And so it can't, or it doesn't, uh, just like bore down into, Hey, you know, you're going to be the greatest math teacher that's ever walked this earth. It's not, it's not going to be able to tell you that it can tell you other things. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, do you enjoy being around people? Do you enjoy, do you enjoy just working? Do you enjoy a routine? Do you enjoy, um, you know, certain things like that. And then it talks about problem solving ability, how trainable, dependable, uh, and reliable are you going to be? We can we can assess those skills, but to say this is what you are, this is what you would be best at. That's not that's up for the the person to decide themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. This strikes a couple of chords. Did you ever listen to Naval Ravikant on Joe Rogan? Yeah. Do you remember ago. his? And this kind of ties into reassessing. You know, doing an assessment every what you say twelve to sixteen, 12 to, 16. 12 to eighteen months. Um, he has an I like. A philosophy about he's a big kind of tech guy who's now a venture capitalist and has started kind of speaking out on like about his philosophy on like life and happiness and success amazing both thinker. personally both professionally and he's become very popular for it just background on kind of who he is so he's got some very unconventional um thinking on like you know what to do with your life how to be happy you know in pursuit of purpose and stuff like that and he's got an idea about how eventually we're going to go back to how humans were early, where everyone has like a unique profession and offering like to their village. Mm-hmm. So you're not working for a company, but you have some personal value that you're selling to a smaller group of people. So you're controlling your schedule and, and your income and stuff like that. But he had an idea about um, like how your experiences make you like better at something or might lead you to become less interested in something as your life goes on. And just how crazy it is that most people get started in a career and pretty much retire in that career or in something very adjacent to it. Um, So he's got this idea that he's got a kind of a financial infrastructure to how the government could augment individuals like every three to five years being able to step away from their job and take a six-month internship wherever they want. If you're 32 and you're like, you know, I don't want to work in insurance or maybe maybe I'm not sure if I don't want to work in insurance anymore, but what if Mm -hmm. I could go work in fucking horticulture and you go take an internship and you're you're learning so much about yourself. It might tell you, you know what? My gig's pretty good. I'm going to stick with that. It might tell you, I really love horticulture, but I maybe that specific internship is not what I want to do with my life, but I could do something adjacent to that. And it, it kind of gets you thinking a little bit about how crazy it is that people stay yep. in something. And you you take a you take a major in college, which you choose when you're 18, and you talk about your perspective being different, I would probably still... I don't know if I would choose business if I had to do it again, like right now, if I had to go back to school, but you choose a major and then you get into some profession that's related to that major, which is a decision you made when you were an 18 year old idiot. And then maybe you're 42, like, well, I've been in insurance for yeah. 20 years. I'm not going to leave now. Yeah. I'm, I just, 
It's placing the ladder, yeah. Anyway, I think it makes sense that every once in a while, if you could assess everything, you know, and like how something like this could impact you mm-hmm. would be very, maybe have some parallels in how you could shift your career around. Especially if your results tell you something you need to work on, like mine self-care. If I improve my self-care in four years, I'm thinking differently. You may not want to have the same career. Yeah. It's kind of a long side. You are, you are saying exactly but, what I scream so often, but this is like personal. You scream it? I, I literally. Is that in your I assessment? Get, you I, scream too I much? Scream it. I scream it. Cause I get Big really. Screamer guy. Cause I get really uh, passionate about exactly what you just talked about because to me, I feel like life is all about searching for happiness, where so many people search for money, search for the wrong things, fame, they search for, you know, when all they need to be searching for really is happiness. How do you find happiness? You got to be comfortable with who you are. You got to yeah. know who you are. You got to know what you can bring to the table, know your strengths and weaknesses. Build happiness. And and yeah, and, and you, I mean, at 18, you don't know who you are. Like so many people have criticized, especially our um, older generation, uh, you know, they, older? The, older, what's the word? What, the more what is, what is Aunt Donna? Wisdom. This one goes out to the you. Wiser generation. <laughs> the wiser, the generation. wiser generation, the wiser generation, you know, they don't want us to take a year off after high school and, and kind of figure out who we are before so going to college. Weird. Can you imagine if you took a year off and like you went uh, uh, to Asia, Asia, correct? And can you imagine if you did that after high school and then you came back to college after kind of figuring out who you are, kind of stepping out of mommy and daddy's shadow a little bit and kind of asserting your own place in the world and then going back to college and saying, you know, this is what I want to do with my world. College. I mean, I know I went to a military college, but like I'll speak to to the colleges that y'all went to or, you know, 95 percent of the world goes to real normal colleges. At 18, all you're trying to do is go party, try and have fun, try and create the best time you can. But you're not you you don't really go to classes. Classes, they're just kind of in the way of having a good time. Yeah. And but like Preach. but but like at y'all's age, like at our age now, can you imagine going to college and actually learning? Like I would actually listen to my teachers because yeah. I want to learn. Like I'm at the age where I want to learn yeah, exactly. and want to figure out and, and work on and hone the skills that I'm already good at. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that perspective when I was 18. Few people do. Few people do. And I, so taking that year off is huge to me. Like, I think that's yeah. huge. I always think about the, um, just like the idea of like the kid who sits in the front and is always asking questions. That would be me now. Exactly. Like if I went now and I had a professor, especially a professor that I respected and was really good, you realize um, like how lucky you are to be able to sit there and talk to these people and like not for nothing, you're around a bunch of other people that maybe have similar interests versus I'm just trying to get through this without a shitty grade. And and you're just What's trying the to the fewest amount of times I could come to this class. Do I really have to buy the textbook? <laughs> Can I <laughs> share it? A lot it? of times is no. I know the answers. <laughs> Can I share it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. So I, you bring up a really good point and one that I've uh, really been passionate about of just finding out who you are, because I feel like if people figured out who they were, People wouldn't be doing all the horrific things that they're doing um, out in society or, or that you read about on the front page of papers. Like if you if, if we devoted more time to figuring out who we are, because we're all different and we're all unique and awesome in our own ways. Every one of us has something that's really cool. One of my favorite quotes is um, along the lines of like everybody you meet knows something that you don't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Like 
because we need to be curious about one another. We need to be curious about how we can develop ourselves, um, because if we can do that, we're going to make a hell of a lot better of a society, one that's a lot more fun to be in. Um, and but so many people just for whatever reason, they they don't want to 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 learn about themselves. They don't want to. It's so many scary. people. It's so many people are it's scared scary, to see their though. assessments. That, I mean, I, I talk with people all the time. Like I, yeah, I took the assessment. I didn't. I don't want to see the results, or I don't. I didn't even take the assessment because I don't want other people to know my results. People are afraid to look in the mirror. Exactly, it's a scary thing. Um, it definitely takes courage, but that's how you really grow and improve. Why are we afraid? Because I think we're afraid that not only we'll let ourselves down, but that we'll also let other people down that, oh, I'm not good at this. That means you're going back to that fear of like not being secure and safe in like a community. Versus the opportunity, which could be priceless, the opportunity to improve. It goes back to that, to the natural human, human condition of not condition is the right word, but uh, humans, something that's fearful or you're afraid of loss of loss of version is so much greater than opportunity gain. Someone would much rather not take a risk to not lose a hundred dollars than take the risk to make a hundred dollars. And if some, if someone makes a hundred dollars, you, your, 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 your happiness goal only goes up a little bit, but your, your unhappiness goes down a ton. If you lose a hundred dollars, it goes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I meant. I get too carried away in semantics sometimes, I realize. Okay, Un- that, that makes sense. Uncomfortable is uncomfortable. Yeah. People don't want to step into the, I mean, that's why people, like we just talked about, that's why people stay in a job for 40 years because it's what they got their degree in and they just got one job out of college and they just stayed with it. Yeah. I mean, well, they don't like it. They don't like it, like but they stay with it because it's down. comfortable It's and it's secure. Mm-hmm. I think... Like this could, there's probably, I mean, there's obviously some confirmation bias with this, but I don't even think many people even think about how they could change their lives. I wouldn't. I think like we're, I mean, I don't I wouldn't disagree know where with you. you guys are from and kind of what your friend group is like, but like we're around, a, I mean, we're pretty lucky and we have a good group of friends and people seem to be generally interested in like doing a little bit better next year than they did yeah. last year and changing things, but it seems like there's a lot of people that have like the thoughts not really going of like, well, what if I actually left the job and like, is there something else I could do? Mm-hmm. Because even though I'm 38, I still have 27 more, you know, in quotes, 27 more working years till retirement. Like oh, your life's young, not baby. over. You're young, baby. You got so much shit to do. You got a lot. You got- you're going to be working the whole time. You might as well be doing something. Yeah, your dad changed careers 12 years ago. Yeah, I mean, you're young. I mean, even at 60, you're young. You listen yeah. to Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Like I mean, that dude <laughs> is the man. Go. I love that guy. Ultimate of that guy yeah. preaches everything. I, I literally, my role in my job is exactly what he preaches. Yeah. Happiness. Uh, awareness. You know, hustle. Awareness. Awareness is huge. Yeah. It's all about it. So it's all about perspective. And at least it's that little voice inside your head that you that talks to you. 24 seven a day. Um, and it's that little voice inside your head that you're listening to about, uh, should I go get, should I go to Starbucks before work knowing that it's going to make me late? 
should I not get Starbucks and just go straight to work and be grumpy and pissed off at all my coworkers today? So it's a give and take. It's a perspective thing. That's a good uh, question. I'll be late. I'll be late every time. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. That's an easy one for me. So, Um, well, should we get into it a little bit? I don't even know how we would do this. Like I was looking at, you know, some of my, the score sheet and some of the indicators, but trip, what do you think? Like for the value of someone who doesn't have a ton of context about this, how should we talk about this? I'm okay with you talking about anything in my assessment. I mean, so far from what I've seen, (laughs) if it gets ugly, we might have to pause. There's the dark index score sheet. But um, the two of you have really good talk about it. No, the two of you have really good assessments. Very similar. Y'all are very similar. Um, which I bet y'all vibe really well together, which is probably why y'all decided to make a podcast together. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you, the two of you, um, in like overviews and average or like averages kind of thing. And so I won't get into like, Hey, Will, this is your score, uh, kind of thing, but I'll just kind of talk in, in overviews. And so if you're looking at that, that assessment, what I'm looking at, the first thing that my eyes go to are those three horizontal bars at the very top of the page. The three bars stand for people work task and big picture judgment. And so this, these three bars right here are a very good way to understand how a person views the world from their perspective relating to those three topics. If I knew nothing else, if I just had those, um, those primary judgment indicators right there, I could know the best way that you will receive information. So for example, hand raised. Yes, sir. Can I try to add some context for the listener? Yeah, please. Has a it's going to please is is curious a, lo- a little bit more about what we're talking about. As far as the questions, I know we can't go through and give away all the questions, but as someone who took it, did I do it this morning? You did it last night. I did it last did. night. Um, 18, two sets of 18 questions. Um, <clears throat> and you, you rank from, I don't know what you'd call high to low or like best to worst, best to worst. We were talking about this before we hit record. For me, most of the questions seemed more black and white, like positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And I had a really hard time choosing what was number one versus four and what was number 14 versus 18. And so, like you mentioned, I ended up putting them over there roughly and then changing them yep. a lot. Like this, I think is a little worse. And so... Just to give an example, like, can you give out like a hypothetical, yeah. maybe a positive or best versus a worst yeah, question? For sure. Just so that people. For sure. So how it, how it is, is two lists of 18 items. The first list of 18 items is talking about your work side. Um, and then, or I apologize, is talking about yourself side. And then the last two uh, or the last list of 18 items is talking about your uh, self side. And so. I might have done that wrong. I don't know. You might have to cut that. But no, I think you did it right. 18 questions about who you are as a person, like a yeah, personal view. Self side. And then it's 18 a, questions relating about your to your, yeah, to your professional. professional work side. And so, uh, you know, what we will normally see is it, or exactly what y'all said. It's pretty easy to, to pick out the best, which can be anywhere from a baby, wedding vows, hmm. love of nature, stuff like that, to the worst, which could be anything from blowing up an airliner. Uh, terrorism, uh, inflicting pain on somebody on purpose, um, stuff like that. And so 
those we hope are fairly easy for a person to to rank order. And then it's that stuff in the middle that really um, brings it home. And that's the stuff that really is important because it's it's tough. You know, is a mathematician or a scientist more important? Is a, a littering or a traffic ticket worse? And so it's things like that, mm-hmm. that you're rank ordering that really then becomes powerful. But for example, one time I remember talking with an older gentleman and he had rank ordered a good meal as his number one above a baby, above, above wedding, uh, above, above wedding vows, above, you know, all of these things. Well, what's getting married if you're not having a good meal? Well, exactly. <laughs> and how can I take care of a baby unless I've eaten? This is some logic that I was thinking about. So it's all it is all perspective. I mean, because like, f- f- you know, for people like my my father, if he could take a pill and just not be hungry and that, that would satisfy him, he would never eat a bite of food in his life. Whereas me, I love food. So, like, I'm going to eat. Is but- that called cocaine? <laughs> I think we have that. I, I don't know if he delves into that world, but um, but essentially, like I, I was talking to this guy and he put a good meal before everything else. And I asked him, I said. You know, I'm not trying. I'm just trying to be. I'm just curious. Like, understand why? Why did you put a a good meal first? And he got kind of quiet, and he, goes, he got kind of condescending with me. Oh. He he went, young man. I bet you've never had to think about what you're going to be eating for dinner that night. Oh, I bet your only problem was deciding what you were going to eat, not if you were going to get to eat. Pretty valid. And so, right then, I had this oh moment. Yeah, because when you think of it that way, like this guy had grown up not knowing if he was going to have food on the table at dinner. I didn't have that problem. I was blessed. I was blessed. But he realized that food was vital to living. And so exactly like you said, you can't take care of a baby. You can't take care of your spouse if you don't have if you're not taking care of yourself. But you could say it the other way. There's so much. There's so much perspective. And so it his and trust me, his assessment was not any worse than somebody that has a a good or a a baby or wedding vows at the top, because it's all about how you the consistency that you have when you're rank ordering those items. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping you were going to say when when you asked him or you said, I'm curious how you put meal first. I was hoping you'd say something like, young man, have you ever been to Arby's? <laughs> or, or like something like that. Have you ever had Texas barbecue? Like It will change your life. <laughs> Instead, it was a little bit more dark. So it's a like, lot. It's a, a lot of perspective. Actually. It's yeah. a lot of perspective. And people ask me all the time, you know, how do I ace the assessment? There is no perfect score. If I see somebody that scores are all the way on the right hand side, we're going to have a lot of conversation about, hey, you're way too strong and you need to tone it back because you're moving at a pace that the average person can't keep up with. And when I go into y'all's assessments, I'll talk to you a little bit about that, because two of you, the both of you, I can bet have some headbutting or some frustrations that you have with one another at some point, because the two of you are so quick at solving problems much faster than the average person. I guarantee. I wouldn't say with each other, but I would say with other people. Yeah. Okay. So because I, we both share that. I don't want to say lack of patience, mm-hmm. but just like if it's a problem, we can just handle it. Yeah. Why waste time acting like maybe it's not a problem or whatever, which sometimes can. So let me point your eyes down to number, yeah, let's do number 10 problem solving ability on part one. You will see that you two both have what we call a black box. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. So that indicator, which is problem solving ability, the ability to to see, to 
determine and then to do, to see a problem, to determine the best course of action, to get to fi- fix that problem, and then to actually get that ball rolling and, and moving. Um, so the black box that both of you see is very rare. We only see that, honestly, about 8% of the time on on any of the assessments. Wow. So, so, it's, so, so explain it again. So it, what is the black box? So mean? the black box means that the two of you are very, very quick at solving problems, at picking out the relevant out of the clutter. You're very, and so I guarantee the two of you have been in a meeting at some point, somebody's been up presenting or speaking, and then you, you're, you're on, you, you get it. You, you understand it. it yeah. You understand it. But the people <laughs> around the table are, are raising their hands, asking questions. And you're literally just sitting there drumming your fingers on the table going, what about this stuff? Do you guys just not understand. Yeah, and so <laughs> you move, your, your brains move at a much faster pace. I call people that have a black box, a thoroughbred racehorse, because for whatever reason, you pick up on things just much quicker. Do you mean black box in number 10 yeah. or just black box in anything? Black box in number 10. That is the only indicator that can have a black box because this is the most important really? indicator on the whole assessment. Judgment really comes down to problem solving ability. Can you solve problems? Can you can you sort them out? Can you figure them out? And so what that black box hey, means. Nice job. <laughs> and so but there, it's a double edged sword that that indicator is a double edged sword because y'all are so strong and so good at solving problems that you will f- get very frustrated with a person that is not a black box thinker because the way that your brains work is your way is the best and only way to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. Your way is the best and only way to get from point A to point B. So guess what happens if the two of you do not see eye to eye on how to get from point A to point B? There's going to be some headbutting. There's going to be some frustrations that are going to occur because the two of you, again, think that your way is the best and only way. And so what I tell people all the time with, with a score like that is, um, especially if they're working together like the two of you are, is when you, the two of you, if you do get frustrated with one another, you'll know exactly why. It'll help take the fangs out of having that difficult conversation of, hey, you know, this is where where we are not seeing eye to eye, and I know exactly why we aren't seeing eye to eye. So it's a good thing we're not getting married. Yeah. So so no, I mean it's 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 good, but you just have to be again aware of of how this can come across because. Um, I tell people all the time, it's very, very much like if you are walking hand in hand with a two or three year old who is just learning how to walk, are you going to walk at the pace that you would normally walk at and drag that kid behind you? Or are you going to slow down? Are you going to walk at the pace of the child? Nine times out of 10, I would hope. 10 times out of 10, I would hope that the person would say, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's like the dentist and three out of four dentists recommend this toothpaste. But um, it's very similar to that and slow down for the child. You got to slow down for the person that you're y'all are working with, because I bet people in work, people in life, they don't go at the pace that y'all go at. And 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 that can be very frustrating if you don't know how to how to deal with that and how how to work with it. Now, the two of you, I will say, deal with difficult people and difficult situations very well. So I don't believe that that would be a problem outwardly, but I would assume that it could be a problem inwardly of dealing with the frustrations of slower people. Do we have an example of us butting heads? I can't really think of one. one. 
Now, I will say that the two of you, your assessments are so similar that I bet y'all vibe really well with one another and y'all just get along with <laughs> one another. The whole bachelor, the whole oh, bachelor this party been, do this. This would have been, been epic. Phenomenal. And just epic. set a microphone and we just talk, talk about it. It would have been so much fun. Over poutine or whatever. It would have been so much fun. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, so that's kind of uh, what I'm seeing just from that one indicator there. Um, so. How does this affect my romantic relationships? Because this makes it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the black box mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me, and I feel like other things. I can't even think of what, but other things have told me something similar. That I just want to get to it. There's a thing. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. And I don't like to meddle, mm-hmm. and that can lead to frustration for both of us. Mm-hmm. Do you, off the top of your head, have thoughts on that? How if my partner was not the same, which likely they wouldn't be? It's again, it's it's about awareness. I'm a I'm a black box. She's not a black box. That's okay. Well, maybe not to reassess, Beth. It's okay. But, and um, when I say her, I say my fiance Beth, who's sitting right here with us. And so, um, so Beth is with us. So you know. The thing is, is like when Beth and I, we, we, we that's, start. That's triggering though. That, that's the, very The triggering. funny thing is, it seems like the world knows this, but in the conversation, when you're going through something difficult, we don't want to believe this. And by we, I mean women. And, and, and so, you know, how, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, if Beth wants to, to come in and, and join along in the conversation, but you know, I, I can speak from experience. I'm with a black box. I want my way. I, I will be a, a bull in a China shop. Because I want to get my way. Wait, is it about getting your way? It's, or is it about solving the problem? It's about solving the problems, but I go about it because I'm a black boxer. I go about it in a very You're like, sometimes I got a solution, ab- so abrasive way. I, I come I can come across that very abrasive okay. because I see it and I want to get it done. And sometimes I move too fast for my own good and I want to get the problem done. Uh and and I don't care about who it gets in the way yeah, yeah. and who I affect. And that mm. can that ha- can has been a problem in our relationship that I've had to get better at. She's had to work with me and teach me, Hey, you can't do these things. Like you, you have to slow down. You have to, you know, worry about who you're going to be affecting in the, in the, by the wake that you're causing. Um, and, and so she's been a, a huge blessing for me in that way. And, and, you know, it's been super helpful to see her assessment stacked up against mine because She's like when we get into a situation where her strength would be better, I back off. I let her take care of mm. that because she's so people she's so much better dealing with people, relating to people than I am. I'm very good at work tasks, at getting things done. And so when we have to go into a situation where we're dealing with people or we're dealing with empathy, emotions, things like that, I know she's going to be handle the situation much better than I am. But if something needs to get done, if if the oil needs to get changed, if uh, if there's a task that needs to get done, I know that I'm probably going to be the not that she can't and won't do a good job at it. But I just know that that's where my strength, my strength is. And so it's about knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Does it help you identify? I think it does. And we can get down this on the list, but. If someone is very low stress and someone is very more more high strong, and how to be able to handle those 
types of things. Yeah, I'm really actually glad you brought that up. Because I think Everett and I are pretty chill people. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fiance, or yeah, be you are. Jenna is, she just has a little bit more anxiety than I do mm-hmm. about things. And yeah. that's something we know, like we're self-aware about it. And yeah. we try and work through it. But I, I'm interested to know. If you could dive into that. I'm actually really happy that you brought that up because uh, while this is not a this is not a tool that comes out of the world of psychology um, there, it does measure have four measures of stress on the indicate on the assessment itself. And so um, because because stress is such a big deal when it comes to judgment, Um, stress is the number one debilitator of a person's good judgment. I'll say that again. Stress is the number one debilitator of a person's good judgment. So, for example, I'm sure at some point in y'all's lives, you've been under an exorbitant amount of stress, whether that's finals, whether that's uh, a death in the family, whether that's a, uh, you know, financial stuff that's been going on. Who knows whatever it is. But at some point we all go through stress. And sometimes when you're under that amount of stress, even the most simple decisions become very complex, very difficult to make, like where do you want to go to lunch today? Because you have so much stuff going on in your head and your head is so foggy and hazy that it's just so tough to make a decision. And so um, because stress is the number one debilitator of a person's good judgment, we wanted to make sure that, you know, that there were indicators that were talking about stress. And we assume when somebody goes in to take the assessment that you're under stress, what we're really looking at is how do you cope with that stress? Mm-hmm. What are your coping mechanisms that you have in place? We say people, uh, we say all the time, you know, uh, we want people to have uh, anchors and not anchors that hold them down or anchors that weigh them down, but anchors that keep them grounded. And that the one anchor can be a relationship that you have with a spouse or a parent or a coach, mentor, whatever it is. The second, it can be a religion that you practice. And third, it can be a hobby that you have going for, you know, a, a going sailing like I'm looking out and out the window or going for a, a round of golf like we're going to do later today. You know, whatever that is, uh, it can even be a, a combination of all three, um, three of those. And so whatever it is that keeps you grounded, keep doing that because um, because when stress starts creeping its way in, your judgment becomes diminished. Yeah, that makes sense. We saw some too. I had to look it up real quick, but a quote that you were almost in some way describing about the um, the three essentials of happiness: someone to love, something to do, mm-hmm. and something to look forward to. Which, in in some way, you you kind of describe. I think you described at least two of those. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, just looking at both of your assessments. It's not saying that you don't have stress on your plate, but what it is saying is that the stress that you do have, you're able to get your arms around it. You're able to have good coping mechanisms in place to handle this stress. So I tell people a lot that um, because before I started with Judgment Index, I was a branch manager of a, a company called Cutco. I had no idea what the hell I was doing and I would I did terrible at it. And my work side was really good. It was strong. My self side, every indicator was on the far left category Mm -hmm. and it was all driving, being driven by that stress score being on the far left. I tell people if I see anybody that has a weak stress score, 
or coping score, all I try and do is I, tr- I focus in on that one indicator and I say, hey, if we can fix the coping score and move it to the right hand side or into the good or strong category, you will see all the other indicators move to the right hand side with it because what it does is it acts like a magnet. I tell people if I was to get a phone call right now that a loved one of mine was injured or worse in some type of accident, my stress score would go from the the, the strong category and immediately move all the way to the left hand side. And what it will do is it will drag all the other indicators mm-hmm. with it. Um, it's the quickest and fastest moving indicator on the whole assessment. And so um, it, it will drag all of them with it. So again, when I see somebody that needs to work on or develop that stress score, uh, they once they do that and, and get their arms around that stress, they'll see all the other indicators move to the right hand side with it. Fascinating. So stress coping and attitude. Mm-hmm. Where are you? There, y'all are the as good as you can be on all of that. I definitely don't. It's definitely not that I don't have stress. Exactly, but they it's that you cope with it well. That I try to cope. You know whether that's I feel like that's like you and I have really good, like you said, like. I mean, I don't practice religion, but like I do meditation, like spiritual type things, like that. I play golf. I work out. Like Jenna and my family and my friends are really great grounders in that. And so, like, I feel like I have, like, those three types of things that can always reduce stress. And, like, because of that, I'm always confident that I'll be able to overcome stress. Yeah. It, one of those ways. Yeah. And, it, it, like, my uh, – the way that I deal with stress is I I go and I hang out with my family. My family is my safe zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the ones that keep me grounded, that bring me back down to earth or whatever it is. And so, when I – quit that job, I reassessed myself two weeks after I took it, I was back to normal. But it's because I knew what my grounder was. A lot of people don't have, don't know what their grounder is. Um, And so I was just fortunate and lucky enough to know what keeps me grounded and and what keeps me sane is my family. So So I'd say if you're listening and you don't know what helps you cope with stress, like that's like something that you can try and find, try and find how do you cope with stress and then find ways to have that be a positive outcome on your life instead of being a detractor or something that spirals you down. Yeah. Now like stress, same with anxiety. It's not always a negative thing. Like most of them or not most, but it feels like a lot of it comes as the like residue of trying to do good things. Like you're, you've got a job, like the job doesn't suck, but like you're trying to do a good job. You're in a relationship. You've got a bunch of other things that you're working on so that it can become stressful to want to do a good job at all these things that are confusing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, if I was working with the two of you, if I was like your coach or whatever, and I was helping you develop, get better, the, the couple of things that I would say, because overall, Y'all, the two of you, again, have very similar assessments, but they're both very strong, but it's also very common what we see. So if you look at your part one, which is pertaining to your work side, what you do, you will see overall that your indicators are mm-hmm. are, are better off than they are your yeah. self side. And that's, that's so and, and that's so common because so much of our society that we live in is all a, is revolving around work, um, you know, we give so much of our energy to our work world 
that by the time we clock out, come home, we don't have a lot of energy to give to our own personal self. And right now we are in the age group that is really trying to make a name for ourselves, really trying to to burn and churn. Um, and if you go down to the what I call speedometers towards the bottom, mm-hmm. um, the far right one is the one that I want to point your attention to where both of you are a positive 17. I'm also a positive 17, so I can speak from experience on this one. Now, what we are looking for on these is for you to be in the green, whether that's but like perfect would be in between negative five and positive five. Now, what that positive 17 means is that and since all three of us are all 17s, which is I I honestly can't tell you the last time I've even seen another positive 17 that (laughs) That set off some alerts. But but the thing with that, that that means is that all three of us, we try and jump a building in a single bound. Mm. Yeah, we try and bite off way more than we can chew. We have really lofty expectations for ourselves. We see ourselves having the nice car, having the nice house, building, you know, an empire or doing very being very successful. It's it's what I tell people all the time is when I stand in front of the mirror, I mentally see myself with big biceps, a six pack, but, 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 you know, in reality, in reality, big old old triceps and he held his arms up too, (laughs) big biceps, but it's one of these, it's, it's what you actually see in the mirror looking back at you versus what you want to be. Yeah. And so I want to be the guy with the big biceps and triceps and the big old abs and all that, all the stuff. But in reality, that's not necessarily the case. And so sometimes we might try and bite off way more than we can chew. Um, and more than often than not, we are going to fall flat on our face because we just have way too big of lofty expectations. Mm-hmm. And what that does, because we bite off more than we can chew and we don't put a plan in place to get to that lofty goal, we just try and do it all at one time. What that will do is that will make us all very self-critical of our performance, of our work, because we're going to be really disappointed that we didn't succeed in what we set out to do. And then that's going to then affect our self-esteem, self-confidence. And so what I tell people that have, and I, and I'm, uh, I try and work on it myself because again, I score exactly how you, you, the two of you do. Whenever you have a goal in place, set smaller goals to leapfrog up to that big, mm, yeah. big jump. It's kind of like back in high school when you are in college, when you had a paper that you had to do and you had a month to do it. I did. The we're night the before. people, we're the type of people that are going to try and do it the night before, but the people that got the best grades are the people that did a rough draft. Did you know when in, went into the tutor? You know, That's yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> it's a draft. Uh, the so, draft is being submitted. Exactly. Well, that's so funny. So we have to do we have to do these QBRs in, in at work where it's like a two page doc. You have to write it up. Uh, you have to find all of this data to support your things. The last one that we did, um, I wrote mine at. I woke up at. People spend like hours on these things. I woke up at. 5.30 a.m., started mine at 5.45, was in the office by 7.30 and done. Mm-hmm. And people were like, you fucking wrote that in like in two hours? Like, yeah. what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I just fucking focused and I just got it out and I was like, I'm yeah. done. But it's really interesting because I think it would be easier and better if I were to not have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. There was... Um in some ways that makes me think about like marathon training. There was something so um, calming 
about the reality that you can't just wait until the last week or last month. Mm -hmm. Like you, you just have to do little chunks. Do you run a marathon? One at it. One at it. Yeah, I I just ran a marathon, which seemed obnoxious. Still does, but I started looking up like, how do you do it? And it's like baby steps. Like every day, you're doing one little thing, and then all of a sudden, you've accomplished something that three months ago seemed kind of impossible. But it ends up seeming seeming easy because it was all nothing was huge. It was all just little steps. It's a much better analogy than my big biceps and abs. I'm gonna steal that one from you from now on. Licensed. But yes, you are exactly right. You are exactly right. Okay, interesting. So that's really interesting because when I looked at the assess- assessment and I saw some of the self sides were in like the attention, and I would have assumed that my self side would have been farther on the strong side and my work side would have been more in the middle-ish. So we only see the part two sell side being stronger than the part one work side 7% of the time. Really? I think it goes back to what you're talking about, how there's just so much focus on work. It is. Like, it is. People get in the burn and turn of, of work and, and like, they give so much energy to it. We, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like I... You do a, a pretty good job and I, I feel like I do as well. But like when you think about like a day... Today's a little bit different because we're spending some of our working hours doing other stuff. But like most days, people wake up and most of their motions from the minute they wake up are towards working. Yeah. And point. And then and then it's like you. While you're at work, you're just like a lot of people are just waiting to be done, waiting for the weekend. So like and. If you're lucky, it's eight hours of your day. You wake up and it's like, okay, like most all the stuff you do from the moment you wake up to the moment you get to your office, all of that stuff was just so you could get to your office. Mm -hmm. Like not a lot of people are like waking up and like reading Mm -mm. or exercising or spending time on themselves. And then it's like you get home on a Tuesday and it's like, well, what can I get done between now and the next time I have to go to work? Versus the other way around. Yep. So it makes sense that we have to focus on this because you have to maintain your income. Yep. Your, your self side can, there, it's not as easily measured. So you can slack off. Yep. You can spend less time thinking about your self improvement, so your care, your how health. How do you, if you say something, if, if you're ready, but uh, I was going to say, how do you get, how can Everett and I get those? From the attention of the good to the strongs. Sounds like we need to quit our jobs like you did at Cutco. That's right. And go do something we can. No, what I'm trying to say, y'all have phenomenal scores. But if you wanted to improve these, it's really, now that you've seen this, it's about being aware. It's about, hey, you know, instead of staying an extra hour at work, I'm going to take off. I'm going to take off at five when I should. Instead of staying until six, seven o'clock at night, I'm going to go play around. I'm going to go to the driving range. I'm going to hit around. I'm going to go yeah. ride a bike. I'm going to go do something for me that I want to do that will make me happy. <clears throat> and so, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's all about the energy that you have to devote to yourself side. And, and just at the age that we're at, it's so common since we're 
trying to make our name for ourselves and trying to to make it big you know it, it's so common for people to 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 be exactly where where the two of you are kind of um you know uh, some in the attention column and um and and so it's you know obviously not as strong as the work side so yeah. it just means that you're devoting so much to your work that maybe you could back off a little bit and devote some more to yourself side i tell people a lot i say you know if you were to develop yourself side better and have a stronger foundation or stronger awareness of who you are and what you can bring to the table mm-hmm. imagine how that would reflect yeah. in your work imagine how much better you'd be at your job if you knew who you were and knew what you brought to the table knew your strengths and weaknesses hell yeah. work would be a whole lot more fun and a whole lot easier because you know those things be the best version of yourself yeah. um to take into work to be uh, you know in front of others i have a question on six under the self side it says moderate yeah role identity what does that mean so what that one's talking about is really how did you have something in the same exact same exact score moderate role identity for both of you so exactly so essentially what that one's talking about is how open or receptive to change in your environment are you so at a moderate role identity you're okay with change taking place whether that's a new car whether that's a new place to live uh you're it's not you're not so much of a stick in the mud that you're going to absolutely hate change. You're going to be okay with it as long as you do your due diligence, make sure that the change that is taking place is going to benefit or add value to your world in some way. And so that's really what that one's talking about is how open or receptive to change are you? What are some of the other scores that are, are, let's say if we didn't score that, what, what are some other example ones? So, you know, it can be extreme role identity. It can be slight role identity, essentially saying like, do you enjoy change or are you going to be the type of person that is not going to be good? We, we jokingly say that's a very good predictor of how well you're going to do in retirement because, you know, if, if you are a very strong role identity, the role that you play as you're you identify with it. For example, we had a nurse that, she, the whole community in her town saw her as a nurse so much so that every Sunday when she would go to church, when she would go to Publix and shop and get groceries, she would wear her nursing pins on her dress because at some point, if enough people see you in a certain light and see you in a certain role, you will do what's called a transcendence. You will transcend that view upon yourself and you will then start to look at yourself as 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 Beth, the nurse or Trip, the consultant or, or Everett, the salesman, whatever it is, you're you. If enough people see you in a certain light, you will then flip the switch and you will see yourself in that own light. And it becomes a very strong identifier, a very strong role identity. And if for whatever reason that role was taken away from you, you would lose your identity. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I could see that being extremely powerful and dangerous at the same exact time. It can be. Interesting. And so, you know, the the other two, the other couple of things that I would just say about the two of you, again, if we're going down into those speedometers uh, from we're looking for anything between negative five, positive five, those first three balance dials from left to right, people in relationships, work tasks, balance with ideas. Those are all pertaining to the part one work side. And all of you score or both of you score within the desired range of negative five, positive five. And when we see those three in range or in balance as they are, what we tell people is you're going to show leadership qualities. 
you're going to sh- exude trustworthiness and you're going to be the type of person that's very dependable and reliable uh, type of person um, to, to be around. So uh, we, we say that that is a very, very good identifier if you are looking from within on who to promote to a managerial position because they're going to be trustworthy. They're going to have the leadership qualities to be able to lead a team. There's so many times that people get promoted to a job because they are good at good what they job. do. But not but good. and they are good at managing themselves, but they are not good at managing others. And what that does is it sets them up for failure. They end up crashing and burning and they end up having to leave the organization because the 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 bosses or the C-suite thought that they would be good and they ended up tanking. But if they knew these things about them, they could keep apply them, like, it in, to the strengths that they have. Probably just keep them in more of a individual contributor role. Exactly. And and then the other the last thing that, you know, I'll go as long as you want. But, the, you know, the other interesting parts to to this is um, at the very bottom, you're going to see a, a line that says tends to view self as unique. Yep. And that's really powerful. We prefer people to view themselves as unique. Only 10 percent of the population is able to see themselves as being unique. The other two ways that a person can view themselves is by the role that they play. Again, kind of talking about if I'm a uh, president of a company, I'm going to view myself as the president of the company. And that's the only way I can see myself. And then the other way a person can view themselves is what we call abstract. And what that kind of means, I like to change that word abstract out with team player in the sense of, you know, if in terms of basketball, if I have a really good game and I score 60 points like Kobe, but the team loses, then I'm still going to be pissed off because the team lost, even though I had a really good game. Now, it's not to say that because the two of you view yourself as unique, you can't view yourself in the terms of the role that you play in or you can't view yourself as abstract or team player. What it's saying is that more often than not, you're going to view yourself as being very unique, bringing a certain skill to the table that nobody else in the world can can bring. And, and very much having a unique perspective that you you bring and you understand and you realize that about yourselves. Hey, there's no one else. There's not another Will Dorns out in the world that has exactly what the chemical makeup that I have. Yeah. You're, you use unique as well. As well. Yep. Interesting. So very interesting stuff. And then the other, the, the cool part is um, the two of you really understand what good quality is. You understand the saying good quality ain't cheap and cheap, cheap yeah, quality yeah, ain't yeah. good. Mm-hmm. You understand that, you know, if you put a piss poor project out and you send it out, you, you know, you know. this was not good quality. Yeah. It's kind of the, the analogy of, you know, if you go and buy something at Walmart, you probably understand it's only going to last you a couple of weeks, a month, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whereas if you buy, uh, you know, buy it from a, a specialized store, it's going to last you a very long time. It's, you know, when I started getting out of college and buying clothes for myself, I started buying nicer button up shirts because I knew that they were going to last me a very long time. Whereas if I went to Walmart and bought the same shirt, not to say it wouldn't do the same exact thing, but it's probably going to fade. It's going to it's not going to last as long. The materials that were made with it weren't as good. So you, the two of you understand that very well, like very well. You understand good quality. It's interesting because I think we understand good quality in our in ourselves too. like when we put forth good effort and when we don't like we typically know. At least I feel like I typically know mm-hmm. that like. And then I'm usually like. You usually feel guilty, like I could have done better. I could have put forth more effort or something like that. Yeah, that was like my number one 
response to like completing a marathon is like fuck i wish i would have tried harder yeah 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 <laughs> but every, i want to talk to you a little bit mm-hmm. you i'm going to move back up into the, the horizontal bars at the top primary mm-hmm. judgment indicators um for you those three scores people work task big picture judgment they're and even for you will they're all very close together meaning you won't have as many blind spots in your overall judgment as the average person. Most people are very good at two of the three. The weakest is normally always the big picture because in our societies, we're taught to be nice to others. That's the people part. We're taught to work hard, the work task part. What we're not taught is the big picture element. You know, what's what's down the road and around the corner? What are the consequences consequences of this decision that I'm making today? What are the consequences in two weeks, two months, mm-hmm. two years? Every, you're going to be very, you're going to be good at being able to see what's down the road and around the corner. Not many people have that. So what I want you to do is I want you to harness that ability to be able to know what's coming around the corner and 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 know that, you know, a lot of times there's going to be situations where you're sitting in a meeting and all everybody else in the meeting is saying, hey, let's go in this direction and you're going to be sitting there scratching your head going, why are y'all going in that direction? Don't you know that in two weeks or whatever the time frame is, this is what's going to happen? And so you might sometimes feel like a little uh, like an odd duck. Um, and and so just trust your gut because you're able to take all the things that you see and figure out and, and, and conceptualize how it's going to, to happen down the road. And so just know that be com- be, be a little bit more confident in that. When you see that um, you have a very good um, ability to just to, to figure that stuff out where you're going to be most comfortable and where you're going to be strongest though, is in work tasks. You're going to be really comfortable in getting work done, getting things done. But what I want to tell you is that all three of those scores are so close together you're not going to have as much blind spots as, as most people will, because again, most people have a very strong people judgment and a very strong work task judgment. What they don't have is a, is a strong big picture judgment. How do you develop big picture judgment? Uh, I tell people all the time, it's, it's really just seeing the world. It's living. It's, it's, it's experiencing. It's, you know, that, that score gets better as you age. And as you see more of the world, you just kind of have a better understanding of how things work, how they come together. And so, um, and and that one again is, is all about perspective. It's really about, um, slowing down and thinking things through before you step forward and start doing that thing. There's so many, because I'll be honest with you. I am very, very much work task oriented, like to a point where it's almost a weakness. It's such a strength that it's such, it can be a weakness at the same time. And so with that being said, I will start doing a project and I will get an hour into it. I'll be like, crap, I got to go back to square one because I didn't think it through all the way. I didn't know, like when I get Mm -hmm. to this point of the project, this is what's going to happen. So I have to go all the way back to square one and start, start anew. And so people that have that big picture strength, they, they'll see when they get, if they were to go down the same path I did, if they went down the same path I did, they will see, Hey, within an hour, you're going to run into this problem. And so they'll know that and they'll, they'll take the correct path the first time instead of taking all that time to go down that path and then have to restart and, and, and go all the way back to square one. So, um, 
So every like know that that that's a a strength of yours. Know that that's 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 really good. Um, and and then and will like yours is is in dealing with people and work tasks. Like those are your two. Those are your babies. Like yeah. that's where you thrive. And even though your big picture is just a little bit weaker, it doesn't mean that you're completely blind to it. But you will be more comfortable and you'll be happier in doing the the people and work task. But I tell people. Like, for example, we had a, a Navy admiral who took the assessment. He was a fighter pilot. Um, and, and back when he just got into the Navy, being a fighter pilot, he had to be extremely work task oriented. And so that was his strength. Then as he started moving up in the ranks, he had to start using different types of judgment. And so when he finished his career as a vice admiral, his judgment did not need to be his his strength did not need to be in getting work done. He had people to do that for him. What he had to be able to do was set the ship in the direction it needed to go and then make sure that everybody was doing the jobs that they were doing because he had to become and transition into a big picture thinker. So what I want people to know is if and when you take the assessment, it is not a tattoo. It is not permanent because your judgment should change as you age. And as you see new things, as you go through different experiences, we would hope that your judgment changes and gets better. And the only way that you can measure it or see it is by looking at it firsthand. Where am I strong? Where do I need to improve? And then you can then have a baseline of what to work on, where to improve certain things. So, um, so it, uh, it, it can be super powerful from the perspective self-awareness uh, arena. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, Everett and I talk about some of those similar things, um, just how important it is to just overall be self-aware um, and then to be able to just take action on them mm-hmm. because otherwise it's, what's the point of being aware? Like, exactly. You're not going to be able to be able to do something about it. Yeah. There was one something that I, I heard this quote and I actually wrote it down at my desk Um and it, the quote is, don't let the urgent drown out the important. Like and that. on your on your assessment, you have on either side, urgent, important. I thought, I thought that was interesting. It's mm-hmm. really it's cool. It's also Rachel Peter's Twitter bio. Is it really? Yeah, sidebar. Interesting Twitter bio. But it's something cool. about we often ignore what's important for what's, I think she said expedient. Oh. Uh. I don't know why I know that's that. so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Are there any things you want to leave the audience with just as like action items for them? Really? If, I mean, if you want to take the assessment, learn a little bit more about yourself. We don't have it set up on our website right now for a con- individual consumer to really go through the process to take the assessment. So if you would like to learn a little bit more, please reach out um, to, to Will and Everett. And if uh, people find you, uh, you can find me at uh, you reach out to me, trip.wilson at judgmentindex.com. And be careful, you might be flooded. That's all right. I would love it. <laughs> You're going to get at least three people. <laughs> hey, Donna. We'll, uh, we'll also tag you on our like posts about this episode. Okay, cool. Yeah, and reach and out reach out. I'll, I would love to walk you through the assessment and kind of go through A to Z with you about it. If I can help anybody learn a little bit more about themselves, be a little bit more self-aware, I'll be able to sleep well at night because that's what I'm extremely passionate about. Because if we can get people to be more self-aware, then they're going to be happier. And if they're happier, they're going to treat others better. They're going to, it's going to make the world a little bit better. And so 
we want global domination legitimately. We want everybody to know and take the judgment index because it's not personality that drives a person's actions. It's your values that drive your actions. Now, while I say that this is not the end all be all tool, this is 85% predictive of how a person's going to perform. So it's, it's much better than your average run of the mill personality assessment, where if they were able to get to 40% predictive, they would be shooting, they'd be singing praises and putting that in the front page paper. So learn a little bit more about yourself, become more self-aware, be happier, continue working, continue striving. There is no perfect assessment out there. So we're always able to get better. And uh, if take you want action on what you find, take action. Exactly. So where can people find you on social media? If you want to be found, if you want to find me on social media, you just type in trip Wilson into Instagram. You'll, you can find me there. Uh, you can also find us on uh, judgment index where uh, we're cur- uh, updating people on what's going on with the business. Uh, we are putting out stuff, which is really funny. Like on Tuesdays, I do what's called terrible judgment Tuesdays. These are funny. And they are hilarious of they're people just doing the most dumb <laughs> things <laughs> ever. Funny, like they're wild. So follow us. Follow <laughs> That's us. That's not a good idea. Don't. don't yeah. Do on Instagram? What's Instagram, yeah. What's Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. We're on all pla- oh, cool. all the platforms. And um, that's probably one of the most fun things that we do. And we have we've got it's gotten to a point where we have people send in stuff that they're seeing while they're driving down the interstate, like a mattress that's only tied on by fishing line or, you know, whatever it is. So sidebar, did you guys see the um, the um, there's an open air inflatable bed cinema in Denver? Like in the last couple of days, and they had a windstorm, and all these inflatable mattresses were just running down this huge what? field, like cartwheeling. It looked incredible. It was awesome. I saw that, and there was one guy chasing after his mattress among sixty mattresses. It was hilarious. <laughs> but I, uh, but I just appreciate the uh, opportunity to be able to come and and speak about it. If if more people can be self aware, then you know. I, I want to do my part in in helping people become a little bit more self-aware, become a little bit happier if they can and uh, try and point them in a direction that they can get that perspective because perspective is everything in this life. Yeah. You, If you have a bad attitude, it's all because the perspective that you have is not good. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. any, you can flip any, any situation, whether good or, or whether, you know, if it's bad, you can flip it to a, a positive light. But it depends on your perspective. It depends on that little voice that's in your head. Yeah, I know we're wrapping up here, but it real quick uh, that goes into into um, perspective leads right into like victim or like hero mentality. Whereas like mm. if it's raining, if it's raining, you're not going to let the rain affect you and your happiness. You're being like, I can still go do those things. Might have a little bit of an impact, but like I'm not going to be a sad person because like it's raining. Versus like victim mentality is like, oh my God, the rain is doing this to me. And then you have allowed those types of things to impact your life. Beth, my fiance actually just said that last week. She's like, if it rains, like there's nothing I can do about it. Like, why would my mood or attitude change off of something that I legitimately cannot control? All I can do is go in with the perspective of a good time. And life is all about framing, like the situations the situations that you frame, whether good or bad, that's the perspective that you have on the situations. Yeah. So I saw a funny meme the other day that was like, um, 
a frowny face. Did you guys see this? No, I'm, I talk about stuff like this all the time. Uh, it was, it was a, it said there's two, what is it? There's two types of people. And then there was a happy face and a sad face. And the happy face says, no one gives a fuck. And the sad face said, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> uh, so true. That's like, yeah, so happy. true. Awesome. Well, Thanks, Trip, for coming on. This I appreciate it. Fun. This was Thanks fun. For- Let's do it again in 18 months when y'all re- retake the assessment. We can kind of redo it, redo the podcast. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. I'm also super excited to see how the kind of exploration into consumer goes for you guys. Yeah, that's what kind of that's- when I said I want y'all's opinion on that because that's something that I would personally be kind of taking on just to see if this tool uh, piqued your interest enough or you felt like the validity behind it was was strong enough that you were like, why is this not already a thing? So, I mean, I I love the concept. Love it. Yeah. In, in some regard, like, I think all these things are good because the most important thing is to just get you thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you guys have a good approach for sure, and the questions are interesting and made it a little bit difficult. I think it was, or not difficult, but like made mm-hmm. you think it was challenging. It didn't take much time, mm-hmm. and we don't have much attention span, so yep. that's good. Um, but there's no real, like, I don't know, aspect of it that makes you feel like you wouldn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's not religion. It's not, you know, too deep in things that are stigmatized that would turn people away. So I think it'd be great. Yeah. You know, there was, um, there was an app that blew up recently called the pattern. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? I'm not. It's like based on, um, astrology where you like put in your 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 birth date down to the second like you've got to know like mm. when you're and it tells you all this uh Renat, renato's fiance or uh, sorry wife. wife uh mentioned it to us her and her friend were just like kind of joking about it and like a, a few celebrities had like talked about it like have you heard of this thing and it's like it gives it spits out this crazy detail about people and whether it's bullshit or not or where a lot of these things come from in in some regard are less important to me. What's what seems more powerful and important is like, are you thinking about yourself? Yeah. Like, and things like this get you to do that, Yeah. you know? And, um, I think that, like you said, the whole world benefits if everyone's taking a minute to become a little bit more self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, I think, yeah, that's it. You know, getting into stuff like this over the last few years has an impact on decisions I make every single day, Mm -hmm. you know, just being more aware. And then you find yourself, what I, what I think is interesting is I catch myself, like, I'm not even thinking I just made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I notice when I'm on autopilot Yeah. now and I'm like, sometimes it's too late and I've had three donuts, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go vomit. (laughs) But, um, Yeah. Thanks, Trip. This, this Thank whole thing's really right in line. It. You know, kind of the the um, the little bio for our Instagram is dialogue about life and improvement. Purposely to keep it vague so we can talk about whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> but also because at the end of the day, that's what's interesting to yep. us. So the judgment index is right in line with that. So, so if I can do yeah. or be of help to anybody out there that's listening, just... Reach out to us. Um, come on our website at judgmentindex.com. And I'd love, love, love to talk with you a little bit more. If you're skeptical, let me at least 
take let you take the assessment, see it for your own self, as we say in the South, taste the pudding for yourself. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you can, you see for yourself firsthand, you know, how, if this is tool is, uh, you know, accurate, if, if you, if you're a non-believer, you know, we can, we can talk through some things and, but I appreciate y'all having me on really do. Yeah. Thanks man. Thanks trip. Life lab. We out. Peace, peace. Thanks for tuning in. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle. <laughs> Je m'appelle Everett. <laughs>